certainly after my first session, everybody here has an idea of why we said the first bracha. The second one makes sense to us, Gvuros, talking about God's dominion and power and involvement in the world. Uh, the third one, you're holy. Wow, does God really need me to tell him he's holy? Um, you're holy, your name is holy. Holy ones will sanctify you every day. Does that excite God exactly? What does that do for me? What is it? What, how does that make me a better davener? How does it make me, what am I offering God? What am I praying for? What's happening with this bracha? It's a very enigmatic and esoteric bracha. Talking about holiness, it's always hard to understand what we're talking about. So we're fortunate to have uh, Rebetzin Tzipara Heller uh, Gottlieb. Um, she's known as Tzipara Heller, but she's now Rebetzin Tzipara Heller, Heller Gottlieb. Uh, who's made herself available to us. And I think that everybody here should feel complimented because some of these nationally known speakers are taking the time just to address us because they know that we're worth it. They know that, we, uh, that we're interested. They've been here, most of them, at least once, if not more. And they know that we are a group of people that really is thirsty for the insights that these uh, great teachers uh, have to provide the world. And uh, so they're, they're, they're offering it to us, and we're really fortunate about that. And we want to acknowledge Rabbi Foxbrunner, who's really put together a great assembly of people. Uh, next week, we're going to have Rabbi Blackman uh, on the uh, on the bracha of Hanin Hadas. And, I, I'm sorry, that's Rabbi, I'm sorry, Rabbi, Rabbi Herschel Schechter, and then Rabbi Blackman after that on the bracha of uh, Slach Lenner. Thank you. So, um, Rebetzin Heller, as you know, is a, an unbelievable lecturer. I mean, I just uh, in previewing what she had to say, it's just uh, it's it's uh, breathtaking, and she encompasses and incorporates in relatively few words major concepts. Uh, I'm going to make a bold suggestion: don't take notes when she speaks. Just listen to her and absorb what she's saying. And don't worry if you can't repeat what she says after she said it. It doesn't matter. You want to get the, the gestalt of it. You want to get the whole thing. And by taking notes, you're going to actually take yourself out of the action. Just sit back and enjoy and absorb what you can. That's my recommendation. If you find that you want to take notes, go ahead, take notes. I just think you'll get a lot more out of hearing her and, and not trying to follow every little jot and titty of the, what she says, but rather just get the whole picture. She is appropriate for this bracha because she is also quite esoteric, but very, very real and very practical. So here we go. Rabbi Foxbrenner, I'm, uh, I feel like one of those uh, Russian cosmonauts who has to hand control over to, to ground control. So uh, let's get started. Hello, hello. This is Sephora Heller Gottlieb, and I'm speaking to you from Yerushalayim, the holy city. We're going to be talking about the last of the blessings of praise in Shemona Esrei. What are the blessings of praise about? They're not to flatter God. He certainly has ultimate awareness. It's to give us sensitivity to whom we're speaking to and whose world we live. So, this bracha is called Ata Kadosh, you're holy. I'm going to translate each of the words, and then we're going to talk about what this means 
what this means in your life and what this means as you pray. Ata Kadosh, you are holy. Vishimcha Kadosh, and your name is holy. Ukdoshim, and your holy ones. Vichal Yom, every day. Yahaluluka Sela, they Indeed, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, Hakel HaKadosh, the power that's holy. What do we mean we say God's holy? What does the word holy mean altogether? So it means separate, but what is God separate from? He's all inclusive. Don't we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad? Here Israel, Hashem is our God. He's one. He's one with the entire world, with all reality. How could we possibly say that he's separate? So to understand this, I want to take you to a place in the Torah where the word Kadosh is used. There's a mitzvah. Kadoshim to you, be holy. How do you keep this? What are you supposed to do to be a holy person? So Rashi, the great commentator, says that being holy means separate, and you should be separate from everything that's promiscuous, that's compromising in that regard. And he bases his commentary on this, about the chapter before tells us all of the forbidden relationships. He's saying, well, being holy, being separate means not being compromised, not having your intimacy and your love and your emotional capacity be reduced to something that's animalistic. The right relationship is one in which this first spiritual and then intellectual, then emotional and finally physical bonding, not the other way. And he concludes, wherever you make offense, so you don't slip, you don't forget your humanity, you have Kedusha. But this doesn't work when you're talking about God. Okay, so let's put Rashi to the side. Ramban comments on Rashi, but he disagrees. He says, wait a minute, you're saying, that the way you do A is by doing B. In the previous chapter, we had all of these commandments against illicit relationships. So you're saying, and here it's more of the same. No, this. So when he says it's being holy, it's separating yourself from everything that compromises you. So his famous words are not to be a naval, a fool, with the Torah's authority. Don't be a drunkard on kosher wine or a glutton on kosher food or drown in materialism. So that doesn't work with God either. So we say Kadosh about God. What do we mean? It doesn't mean he's not indulgent. It doesn't mean he's not drowning in materialism or consumerism. It still means separate, but it means separate from everything that limits time, space, subjectivity, he's completely free. So we use the word freedom all of the time, but the truth is no one is free. People will say freedom means not having to be uh, in the state of observing laws. A seven month old baby isn't free, it's controlled by their own instincts and limitations. The fact that you can't get them to obey is only one aspect of not having freedom. Hashem is completely free. No time, no space, no, no subjectivity, and more. 
will say that his whole realm of experience is above, above all of this. He's above the world and in the world simultaneously. Then we go on and we, we address the problem. The problem is we say Hashem is above all subjectivity, above physicality. We have a problem. The problem is we want to know Hashem. We want a relationship with Hashem. And we think in physical terms. So if Hashem is above physicality and has no description, as it says in the Ten Commandments, make no images, how could we relate? So I want to, I want to strengthen the problem. In your own eye, picture three tomatoes. Three tomatoes, one, two, three. But don't divide them into groups like two and one, just see three. I'm sure you could do that. Now move it up to seven. See seven tomatoes, but don't make them into groups, not four and three, seven. Very few people could do this and nobody could do 10. So why am I telling you this? We talk about God's infinity and we can't even see 10 tomatoes, we have a problem. Our problem is for us to grasp anything, there has to be delineation. So if I say, here's my phone, here's my phone, okay? It has borders. It's only so big and no bigger. It uses so much plastic and no more. Its range could only allow it to do certain acts. I could press it, it could call, it could take pictures. It can't whistle Dixie, it can't fly me to Los Angeles. We identify everything by its limitations. Picture a white paper. The way you could read something is if you put black letters, all of which have limitations and borders. So if we want to know Hashem and he wants to be known, we use the names that he uses for himself in the Torah. So and this is tricky because if I were to see you across the street, let's say your name is Carol, let's say, hey, Carol, that means in my mind, I already know who you are. So knowing your name doesn't really inform you me of who you are. But if I have some idea of what the name Carol evokes, a woman, an English speaker, maybe, okay, I have something to work on. And when you turn, I say, yes, that's Carol. So these yes moments are what's conveyed by Hashem's names. So I'm not going to take you through all of the seven names that are used in the Torah. I would like to, but time doesn't allow. I'm just going to use the two names we've had in tefillah. One is Hashem, Atakadosh. we're talking about Hashem, Bishim HaKadosh, your name is holy, Doshim, your holy people. Bechol Yom Yalukasela, they praise you every day. Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, that's one name we're going to talk about. Hakel HaKadosh, the power, so we're going to speak about two names. One name is Hashem and the other name is Kel. The name Hashem conveys a great deal. And again, due to time limitations, we're going to touch the tip of the iceberg. It's an acronym for all of the time tenses. Is, was, will be. So we're saying Hashem is being. The act of being is Hashem. The world by its nature would flow into nothingness if it wasn't for Hashem's will to maintain it. 
Hashem recreates the world and creates the world every second. So what does that mean? It means physically everything is, he is headed towards chaos. That's called entropy. What does that mean? You clean your room up perfectly. Polish, window spray, the whole works. Looks like so nice. It was exhausting. So you go out for a walk. You come back 900 years later. It was a long walk. Does the room look the same? No. Everything organic would have disintegrated. Everything flows towards chaos. The older sellers, the more likely it is to mutate. Isn't that a happy thought? No. Okay, so what keeps everything from ultimate disintegration is the force of Hashem's will. So the name Hashem is you are being. So people say, well, how do you know who God is? The, the simplest answer is because nothing makes itself and nothing restrains the force of entropy. Nothing makes itself. There's a creator who brought everything into being and who maintains the flow of creative energy. And he does this out of compassion. He's the source of all things. He doesn't need anything we could give him. So the name Hashem is meant to convey to us the one who's free, the one who's creative, the one who maintains us second by second, so that everything you taste, see, hear, smell, touch, anything in your history, anyone in anybody's history, it all flows from one place. So if you can imagine a tree with roots, everything comes forth from those roots. Hashem created a world which the free flow of his power comes forth and sustains everything. You are free, you're the source of all things. And you gave us names that we could identify. Yudke is, was, will be compassionate, infinite. Okay. And the way we pronounce the name isn't the way it's written. We pronounce it Aleph Dalid Nunyud Adonai. What does that mean? The word Adon means master. There's a midrash. Adam, the first human being, was given the opportunity to give everything names, which means that he knew the delineations. He could look at a dog and say, Kelev. Kelev in Hebrew means Kalev, like the heart. A dog is loyal. That's Kelev. He could look at everything. With Chatullah, the tricky one. Okay, he could look at it. That's its name. Here are its borders. That's, that's its identity. So then Hashem says, and who are you? He says, I'm Adam. The word Adam has many subroots. Besides being a human, it means it's for the root of Adama. I'm of the earth. I have a body. It also has the same root as the word Adame. I shall be similar to the one who's most high. I'm God and I'm and I'm earth. I'm soul and body. That's who I am. Then Hashem said, and who am I? Said, you're the master. You're the master. That means you're the beginning who brought everything into being, and you're the end. You're the middle and through which everything is sustained. You are the master. Okay, the other name that we use here in this tefillah is Kel. 
Hakel, which is spelled Aleph Lamed, but I'm not pronouncing it. I did pronounce the other word because we're learning, but I think I could get away with this part and just say Kel. It means force that has nothing stopping it. So when you use the word impossible, on some level you're not seeing God. Many things are improbable. If you're in a car that's going 150 miles an hour and you're headed to a cliff, you may end up dead. That's possible. But it's also possible not that way. Everybody knows miracle stories and a lot of them are true. To me, the greatest miracle story is existence itself, but other people have to see things that are irregular and different and whatever. But the one thing you could see is that nobody puts limitations on the flow of God's strength. So he could do things that nobody could anticipate. As I'm speaking to you now, we are still in the corona epidemic here in Israel. They're thinking of making another lockdown on Hanukkah. In fact, they've announced it. And um, when you ask people in the medical profession what exactly is happening, they don't know. They don't know. This isn't, this isn't how people expected it to be. So I want to share something with you. I had to send the girls to my seminary home when it started. And uh, after they left, I had no reason to come to school every day. So when I came back, when school reopened, which was just recently, we reopened around the time of the holidays, right after. There was a piece of mail on my desk. It was from the Ministry of Health informing me, now this is from months ago, informing me that this is, that we know that this is spread through, through bacteria. Bacteria, uh-huh, not virus, okay. Therefore, see that, well, the surfaces are very clean, wash your hands continually, and if you see that your hands don't, don't go to your mouth, your nose will be safe. Not true. They didn't know. They thought that this was true. Nobody was purposely lying, but they didn't know. And it went from there. Again, time passes. It's not tactile. It's droplets. So wear a mask. Be very careful. And now they're saying it's not, it's not droplets. It's aerosol. It's in the air itself. See if you're in a place where air flows. Don't spend time with other people indoors more than you have to. I don't know where, what the, where the truth lies, but I do know that today we know so much. I'm speaking to you from thousands of miles away. There are satellites out there. Drone delivers for Amazon. But you know what? We, don't, we know, but we don't control. We know, but we don't control. So Hashem has ultimate power. And meditation that works with the name Kale is a waterfall. I haven't been to any of the world's great waterfalls, Niagara Falls or Victoria Falls. I've seen pictures and I'm sure you have as well. Picture that kind of power. Now suppose I was very thirsty when I get to Niagara Falls, so I jump over the safety barrier. I want to get a drink of water, so I take out my little waterford crystal cup from my backpack and I hold it under the falls, what will happen? It'll shatter, I'll shatter. The force of the water is that great. 
So how do we ever get any gain from the fact that there's water in the world if uh, Niagara goes with such power? And the answer is Hashem arranges it that most of the water is not flowing at the speed of Niagara. So you could reach it. Hashem holds it back, so to speak. So Hashem's power is both that he pours forth life force, everything. He also holds back. He withdraws. And that allows us free choice, and free choice is what makes our lives heroic. I want to illustrate this. Think of anybody, past, present, Jewish, not, who you would consider to be a hero. So I obviously don't know what you're thinking, but what I could tell you is anybody who's a hero made choices and overcame. So when you're talking about Hashem, he made choices. He created a world for our benefit, as I'll illustrate in a moment. He holds himself back. He doesn't force us to acknowledge him. So we could choose to climb that mountain. We could choose to know him. So Hashem created a world in order to give us pleasure. I want to just illustrate that very, very briefly. Do you like to eat? I do. I mean, of course, look at me if I would say I don't, but if you wouldn't believe me. But the pleasure of food, even food that you really like, think fried chicken. Well, I won't go there. But uh, it gives you pleasure as long as the experience is vivid. You're eating, you enjoy, but you don't, five years later, you won't remember it. So physical pleasure, and this isn't just fried chicken, it's any physical pleasure, is time-bound. So people know this, and they still want physical pleasure because it's good. They want more. They want more than a piece of chicken or a piece of chocolate. Where do they go from there? To the pleasure of beauty. Some people are musical. They become, the, they become what they hear. Their emotions are engaged. Some people are intellectual. They love, okay, I love ideas and information. If I'm a, I can't even picture sitting down to a meal without a book in front of me. If I'm desperate, I'll read the back of the vitamins. Some people like information. Some people don't. Some people like are energetic and like being and, and doing. Everyone's different. But all of these forms of pleasure, which take you to the world of beauty, movement is beautiful, music, okay. The problem is you could enjoy aesthetic pleasure, but you don't become the pleasure itself. You don't become the music. You don't become the dance or the art or whatever. And again, so people sometimes figure that out and it's not such a pleasant feeling. And they go on to the next level up, which is relationship. So if you focus on who it is in the world that you like the best, there. And I ask you, is it their body you like or is it their soul? In the end, it's going to be their soul. If you like, if you're looking at yourself, what do you like the best about yourself? Your body or your kindness, your consideration, your ability to connect or to achieve? The soul is the self. So why am I telling you this? We're saying, Tim's Hakel HaKadosh. He holds himself back and lets us discover all this, discover our own goodness and the goodness of other people. He put us into a world that is free choice. 
הקדוש בשמך הקדוש, וקדושים, הוא ה' holy ones. So be surprised at the answer, there are two views. One is it's the angels. The angels are the forces which Hashem rules the world invisibly. For instance, a person falls down the stairs and immediately their whole body gets in the, in the work. First of all, pain, your nervous system is involved. It's telling you, notice you're bleeding, okay. Blood, which cleans out the wound, okay. All of the clotting agents, get there, she's gonna to bleed to death, okay. All of the, all of the immune system is awakened. And the adrenaline to be sure, okay. Who's leading the orchestra as all of this is happening? Don't see it, it's Hashem's hidden hand and we'll call it the angel of healing. An angel isn't, isn't white, isn't feminine, doesn't have little wings, doesn't look like Tinkerbell. An angel is a spiritual force. Hashem can make it do whatever it wants and be anywhere he wants it to be, but that's what it is in essence. So one view is that the prayer ends by saying, Ukdoshim, and your holy ones, your angels praise you all the time. It means that every act of Hashem's invisible presence, the angel of healing, enlightenment, power, um, altruism. These are all forces Hashem put in the world and they make us able to see him and experience him and praise him. But you want to know what another opinion is? We're the holy ones. Us, you, me, you think I'm holy. Yes, we do have a certain amount of inner freedom from being free of desire and nonsense. We are able to say I'm a person. We do have holiness in us. And the worst thing that happens to anyone is when they lose track of how holy they are, how good they are, how beloved they are to Hashem, because that's where the truth lies. We affirm this in this bracha, we say, Atakadosh, you're objectively holy. Vishimchakadosh, and you gave us names through which we could understand who you are. Ukdoshim, and your holy ones, us. We could know you. Bechol yom yalukasela, we could praise you every day. And every day has its own praise. What happened today isn't what happened yesterday. And we end the blessing, Baruch Hashem HaKel HaKadosh. Blessed are you, the fourth. Now these words, where do they come from? At first, people would compose their own prayers as they liked. Then a funny thing happened to us. We ended up in Babylon. Look at that. You close your eyes and there you are. And we were, the Babylonians were conquered by the Persian, were conquered by the Greece. The Persians let us go back to Israel. A lot of us did, some of us didn't. Okay, but we lost Hebrew along the way. And I want to tell you why. You can only speak the language that expresses your thoughts. Hebrew is a holy language. There are a lot of vulgar words that don't exist in Hebrew. If they want to say something vulgar, they'll have to use an Anglo word or an Arabic word. Not in Hebrew. So people weren't expressed through Hebrew because we aren't all that good. So what did the men of the Great Assembly do? The men of the Great Assembly was a group of 120 scholars put together by the prophet Ezra. They composed the Siddur. Yes, that means that the Siddur 
that you pray from, probably it's art scroll, whatever, whatever city it is, okay? You know who made those words, how recently they were put in there? The men of the great assembly. You're talking about the very beginning of the second temple era. So you're talking about ancient, ancient words. And every word was thought about deeply and argued about. It's a diamond that's been polished. So when you say, Baruch HaTashem HaKel HaKadosh, Blessed you Hashem, the force that's holy. Realize Hashem's holiness and our ability to exist as an affirmation of how much he's committed to us, how much he's willing to see us through our nonsense, how, much, how willing he is to live today as though it's already tomorrow, which we can't do. Okay, so that is the blessing. And when you say it, make it your business say it. Every time you say Shemona Esra, you'll be saying this blessing. You're great and I'm beloved. You hold back so that I don't see you so I could discover you, that you're here for me. Okay, so that's the blessing. I hope you could bring it into your life at occasion. Okay, have a good rest of the week. Bye. Okay, first of all, just to test, somebody indicate that they can hear me. Can hear you great. Great, thank you. Okay, good. Um, so, Rebbe Saheller incorporated a ton of information, uh, just a tremendous amount. Even the things that made sense to me were based on a lot of things that she didn't develop, that she just referred to, and I don't know how she managed to condense it all. Uh, the more sources one is aware of, the more one can marvel at what she managed to put into a 25-minute presentation. It's just amazing. So I hope you got a sense of, uh, of the scope and the range, the majesty of the bracha. And what I want to try to do now uh, in bringing up the rear is really to take, it, take this bracha from a different angle. I want to show patterns. Sometimes when you, when you see patterns, uh, you can sit back and relate to the item with a bit more of appreciation because you see that it's constructed in a certain way. You know, a snowflake is a snowflake. If you look at it under a microscope, it's awesome because you see the patterns. So this bracha, which is really about awe, it really is about awe, as we'll see, I hope. This bracha it has patterns, it's part of a pattern. So first of all, we know to look for patterns of three. Why do we know that? because we know that there are three introductory brachas to Shemana Esrei, and the halacha tells us that these first three brachas, avos, the forefathers, gevuros, the powers of God, and kedusha, this third bracha known as kedusha, uh, these are known as the birchas hashavach, the three inter introductory praise blessings, and they're treated as one unit. If one, uh, if you realize that you made a mistake in, uh, say, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and you said, HaKel HaKadosh, instead of HaMelech HaKadosh, you're in the middle of Shemana Esrei. You have to go back and repair it. So where do you go? You have to go to the beginning of Shemana Esrei. You can't go to the third bracha. You have to go to the beginning because they're all one unit. They're all integral to each other. You can't divorce one from the other. You can't separate one from the other. So three. So a couple of things here that we can appreciate in the patterns. 
how many words are there in the third bracha? It's really interesting. How many words are there? And I'm taking this from the tour, a major uh, building block of Jewish halacha, the tour, the forerunner of the Shulchan Aruch, the one who first codified Shulchan Aruch into different paragraphs, set up the whole uh, division of Jewish law into four sections. So the tour says, when he discusses uh, Shemana Esrei, he says, there are 14 words, Atah Kadosh, Vashimcha Kadosh, Ukadoshim Bechol Yom Yahalalucha Sela, Baruch Atah Hashem Hakel HaKadosh. I didn't even count that out beforehand because I trusted the tour. It, yeah, it's 14. Why is it 14? Because the uh, because there's a passage that describes Kedusha in heaven. When Yeshaya Hanavi is given insight into what's going up up there, so it says, We know this, right? Why, why do we know that passage? Because we introduce, in the repetition of the Shemana Esrei, we introduce this supplemental thing, or maybe it's not supplemental, maybe it's acting out on what this bracha is, but we introduce this thing called Kedusha, where we say, we will sanctify your name in the world in the same manner that they sanctify you in the upper world, right? As it says through your prophet, that means Yeshaya, quote, it says, quote, they, the angels, call to each other and say, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzvakot, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The entire world is filled with His glory. So that passage from Yeshaya, Vekara ze el ze ve'omar, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzvaot, Malo Chol Ha'aretz Kvado. Once again, I didn't check it out beforehand, but it worked out because the Torah said so. 14 words. So this bracha is designed to reflect the essence of Kedusha, the essence of Kedusha as seen and observed and heard by Yeshaya Hanavi, who saw how the angels are sanctifying Hashem. So we say, we're going to sanctify you down here the way that they do it up there. You can't do a better job than angels. So we're going to imitate them and bring that Kedusha down, so to speak, or declare Hashem as Kadosh down here in this world. And therefore, we, you, we use a 14-word bracha to do what um, Yeshaya Hanabi describes those angels as doing. Which means that even before we get to, to, to Kedusha, or even if we're not davening with a minion, we're still in some way reflecting what those angels do every single day when they sanctify God. Now, first of all, let's understand something. What, what are angels doing sanctifying God? What, what are they doing sanctifying God? What are they accomplishing? Angels have nothing to accomplish. They get nowhere. They, they, they're not born. They don't die. They don't accomplish. And not only that, God certainly didn't create the world so that uh, he could make angels happy or so that angels could grow. What in the world are they doing? So the answer is that the world is created in such a way that God has to be brought in. He's not there. That's the Hakel HaKadosh. That's what uh, Rebetzin Heller was talking about. Hakel, meaning like the, the, the second word in the Soto, ginger ale, right? Hakel HaKadosh. So that, uh, that awesome power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu only is revealed to the world when it's brought in. So one of the things Hashem did is created the model for that by creating spiritual entities. These are his creatures who then mimic or 
uh, play out the dynamic that is supposed to happen for the world to be connected to Hashem. And therefore, we sanctify God down here in the same manner that God is sanctified by the angels. They really don't do anything other than create pathways to show us what's supposed to happen. And then we do the same thing down here. We imitate them, and then we bring Kedusha down here, which is exactly the theme of the third bracha. The theme of the third bracha is uh, really the it's really the accomplishment of our third Av, of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is the one who actually experiences God in his awesomeness. Where does he do that? Remember, when Yaakov is traveling, Parshas Vayetze, he's leaving the house of his father, he's going, he's going eventually to the house of Lavan to escape Esav, and he has this um, dream by Yifgah Makom. he uh, encounters the place miraculously, we won't go through all the details now, he has a dream, there's a ladder going from earth to heaven, that's very interesting because that means that there's a connection between earth and heaven, and Yaakov is experiencing that connection, because that's really what the of us are supposed to accomplish, is to merge the two. That's the oneness of God. If you have heaven separate from earth, if you have spirituality separate from physicality, if you have holiness separate from regular living, then you've really broken up the whole unity of the world and the whole purpose of the world. So Yaakov has got this ladder with angels going up and down, which means that we can bring Kedusha down and we can send Kedusha up, so to speak. We can elevate this world. So that's Yaakov. And what does he do? He wakes up and he says, Man no ra hamakam hazeh. How awesome is this place? Ein zaki in kim. This is nothing other than the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. What's Yaakov saying? This is the base of Mikdash. This is the place that humans are going to bring the earth up to heaven or bring heaven down to earth. This is going to be that place of unity. That's what Kedusha ultimately is. Kedusha ultimately is the proper use of everything the proper setting aside, the allocation of commodities for their intended use, which is always, their intended use always is in some way to reflect the presence of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So let's go back to these patterns. Um, so um, okay, let's, we, we have, um, we have the, uh, the opening bracha says, HaKel, HaKel, it's interesting, we have HaKel up there, and we're going to come back to Hakel down here in the third bracha, but here we say Hakel. The first first thing we say after we say, or after we open up the bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu, Elokeinu, Our God, the God of our ancestors, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. Chazal just set the whole pattern for the rest of Shemana Esrei right there. The God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, the God of Yaakov. We already spoke about Avraham being the God who discovers God as creator, who informs the world that it has a creator, it has a source, that's Avraham. Yitzchak is the one who is the gibar, who is kovesh, is atzmo, he gives his entire being over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the sacrifice in the Akedah. That's gevura, that's the ultimate mastery of self, and it's also avod, it's also service of God. And then, Belkei Yaakov, the God of Yaakov, who's that? Yaakov is the one who has this dream, uh, the, the one who unites heaven and earth the one who produces only Kedusha in the 12 tribes and of his children are defective, so to speak. They have problems, but they're not defective and they're all reflective of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shiv Teka, the 12 tribes of, of, uh, of Yaakov. So Yaakov is this third bracha. 
just at the, the opening bracha introduces all three, and then they're played out and drawn out and ex, ex, explicated. And the third bracha is the bracha of Kedusha, because that's the bracha of Yaakov. Kedusha uh, is the bracha, is, is that which defines the purpose of something, which ultimately traces it back to Hashem, which ultimately sees unity in everything. And that's, um, and that's what Yaakov accomplishes. That's really what emes, we say titain emes the Yaakov, give truth to Yaakov. Emes means the real essence of something with no games, no fooling around, no cloud, no uh, 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 obscuring of, of the purpose. That's Yaakov's emes. He connects heaven and earth and everything therefore has, it's uh, it ultimately unified. So that's, those three can be seen as another three that we know, Bereshis, Shmos, and Vayikra. And I get this from the Maral. Maral actually intimates this in the introduction to Gvuras Hashem. The Maral intimates that um, Avraham is Bereshis, Yitzchak is Shmos, and Yaakov is Vayikra. How does that work? Bereshis, Genesis, creation. Avraham is a discoverer of the creator. We'll say no more about that right now. Yitzchak is Avoda, service. Uh, Gvura, power, that's Shmos. That's all about, um, it's all about the power of Hashem, the revelation of Hashem at Kriyas Yamsuf, the 10 miracles uh, uh, in Mitzrayim. Um, that's Sefer Shmos. And it's also Gvuros is the bracha that talks about God in his power, in his ability to control everything, the source of all power. And um, that's what the Sefer Shmos is all about, is showing God involved in history conducting and directing history. And then Vayikra, Vayikra, what do we know about Vayikra? We call it Leviticus, the laws of the Kohenim, Torah's Kohenim. It's all about the um, Karbonos. It's all about living around, centered around this holy place that Yaakov discovered, the Beis Hamikdash, the place where we're going to offer Karbonos. And the Maral says the whole point of Karbonos is to unite everything in the world. When we take physical objects, offer them as sacrifices, the whole idea is to say, you're the source of everything. That's Yaakov. Um, past, present, future. Avraham really is, the, he, he reminds us of the past, the source, the beginning, creation, present, God involved now. He didn't just start the world, but he continues to maintain the world, and he's involved in the world. Yaakov, the future. The, the, there's a destiny for the world. The world will ultimately recognize its destiny. God will be one and his name will be one. That's the future. That's Vayikra. That's ultimately the building of the final Beis HaMikdash. So this is Yaakov. This is the bracha of Yaakov. Um, the, uh, the passage that we mentioned as the source for the first three brachas that comes from the Mizmor that we're familiar with uh, when we bring the Torah back on Shabbos. Um, Mizmor David. Uh, Psalm 29. So there it says, Havu Hashem b'nei Elim, give greatness to Hashem, the sons of great ones. It said that's the first bracha. Gemara and Megillah says, Havu Hashem kavod v'oz. The second bracha reflects, give greatness to Hashem, uh, honor and strength. That's Geburah's. And this bracha that we're talking about now, Havu Hashem kavod shmo, give, uh, render unto Hashem honor worthy of his name. Which means here, that's what we say, atakadosh v'shimcha kadosh, and your name is holy. Uh, so here we're going to to uh, reflect the nature of God's name itself. Um, we say in the first bracha of Shmona Esrei, Hakel, Hagadol, 
Hagibor Vahanara. That's exactly what we're talking about. The Godol is the creator, the great one who establishes himself as the master of the world, the Gibor, the one who runs the world, Vahanara, the awesome one, which means the one who is ultimately the source of everything and therefore the Yichud of Hashem, the unity of Hashem. That's why Yaakov Avinu, when his children say at his deathbed, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, they say, Hashem is one, Hero Israel, Hashem is one. Yaakov responds and says, Baruch Shem Kavod Machusola Olam Fo'ed. Yaakov makes a very futuristic sentence. Blessed be the glorious name of his kingdom, Olam Fo'ed, forever. And you'll notice in the bracha of Kedusha, when we together as a congregation, as a tzibur, recite Kedusha in the repetition of the Shemana Esrei, we say, uh, we, we recite these three passages, Kadosh, 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 which, by the way, has three references of Kedusha. We'll get to that in a minute. And then we say, Baruch Kavod Hashem Im Kamo, second passage. And then we say, Yimloch, Hashem shall reign. Elokayach Tzion, your God of Zion, Lador Vador, forever, for every generation. And then we go on and say, Lador Vador Nagid Godlacha. Throughout every generation, eternally will we give, will we give, uh, offer your greatness. And for, again, eternity, every generation, for eternity. Your praise will never be moved from our lips forever. It's all about the future. It's all about the fact that the world is going to a certain destiny. Now we can start to appreciate a little bit of what, what we're trying to accomplish with this bracha. Because what we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, we're the ones who are responsible to make this happen. You're holy, and your name is holy. Holy ones. Who are those holy ones? So Rebbe Heller said there two pshatim. I want to maintain that they're really one. One interpretation is holy ones, the angels will sanctify you every day. The other interpretation is Israel, Klai Israel will sanctify you every day. And of course, as we just pointed out, we sanctify God every day, the way they do. I think Chazal purposely were ambiguous about who the Kedoshim are because they wanted us to be able to see angels and Klai Yisrael in the same mode because we get our role from the Malachim and our role is ultimately to bring the world to a certain destiny. So when we're offering this bracha, we're saying to Hashem, we understand what you're all about. We understand that you're the source. And holy ones, it's our job to uh, reach that destiny. And that's why this is the passage, the, the section of Kedusha that has Yimloch Hashem Le'olam, he will ultimately run the Dor Vador. Now, I just want to point out in the few minutes we have left that uh, Kedusha, holiness, and Nora, awesomeness, are the same thing. As a matter of fact, on Rosh Hashanah, we say this passage, we're familiar with this. Kadosh v'nora shema, echad elokeinu gadol adonenu, kadosh v'nora shema. We're quoting a passage. Holy and awesome, those are related. The two go together because the reason you have awe is because you know there's no other power besides him. Whenever you divide power, when you attribute power or source to something other than God, you don't have to fear God because you can deal with the other guy. You can go to the other guy if God doesn't give you what you want or you can have the other guy protect you from God. The point is, Kadosh Venara, God is holy. He's this source of everything, Venara, and awesome. Yira of God comes from recognizing that he, there is, there's nobody else up there. 
It's, we're, we're dependent totally on him. We have nothing other than from him. So therefore, that's, um, that's why Yaakov is associated with, with Kedusha, the famous passage, V'hikdishu es Kedosh Yaakov. They, the Jews, will sanctify the Holy One of Yaakov. Who's that God? But Yaakov is the one who brought that Kedusha into the world. So um, let's see if there's anything else here that we can, uh, just in terms of patterns. Yeah, very important passage um, that Moshe says when he davens to God. Um, uh, he says, Shem uh, Lord God, This is Moshe begging God to let him into Israel. So there, he sets a model for us. It's become, there's so many different ways that those passages are the model for tefillah. Ba'es Hanan, 515 uh, requests, which are built into Ashman Esri in certain hidden ways. But here's what he says. You have, you have begun to show your servant your gadlacha, your greatness. Oh, that's kel uh, hagadol, right? Your strong hand, what's that? That's shmos. That's Yetzirah Mitzrayim, that's Gevuras, that's the middle bracha. Who will do in heaven and earth. That's the unity of heaven and earth. That's the yichud. That's the unity of Hashem. So now when we say, God will be one and his name will be one. In the future, there will be no separation between God's behavior and God's name, which means we will know so God so clear. We will know God so clearly that God and His name will be one. Right now, His name tells us, as Robertson Heller demonstrated a little bit, His name tells us all about Him in ways that we don't necessarily see so clearly now. We see His actions and we see His name, but there's still a gap in our awareness of who Hashem really is. But in the future, there'll be Hashem Echad Echad, and that's Yichud. That's the unifying theme of Kedusha. Kedusha and unity always, always go together. So um, this is also brought out in one other thing. It's interesting. Look at the three davenings of Shabbos. Shabbos, Friday night, we say Vayichulu, which means we refer, we talk to, about God as the creator of the universe. Shabbos morning at Chakras, what do we say is Yismach Moshe B'matnas Chaka. We talk about the giving of the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu, the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai, the laws, the rules, how to live now. That's the that's the Shabbos. That's a different dimension of Shabbos. And then what do we say at Mincha? At Mincha, we talk about the future. This is the essence of the Shabbos Mincha Shman Esrei. By the way, women don't know this because Mincha is the is the tefillah that women least hear and see about. Uh, I just noticed recently that my wife didn't was not familiar with the special Nusach. Uh, that's unique only to Mincha. She, when I hummed it, she had no idea what it was because she hardly, ever, I don't think she's ever been at Shabbos Mincha. So uh, Shabbos Mincha is, the theme is all about Mashiach. Echad, you're one, V'shimcha Echad, and your name is one. Umik Amcha Yisrael, and who is like your people Israel? Which gives us a clue that just like we say in Kedusha, Atakadosh V'shimcha Kadosh, your name, you are holy and your name is holy. Uh, 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 um, uh, and holy ones will sanctify you. 
here at Shabbos Mincha, we say, you're holy, your name is holy, and who is like your people Israel? It gives us a big clue that the holy ones referred to in the bracha of Kedusha is Israel. Umika Amcha Yisrael. And then we talk about the ultimate, the ultimate uh, Shabbos, uh, the days of Mashiach. That's what Mincha is all about. And that, so the Shachar, of Shachris and Mincha are really Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And they're really Avos, Gevuros, and uh, Kedusha. So these patterns are all over the place. The point is that every single letter, not only word, every single letter of Shemona Esrei, as, as Rabbi Sinhala said, has been debated, argued about, but more than that, divinely inspired to the point where there is not a single letter in the Shemona Esrei that doesn't have a purpose, even above that connects two ideas, is, uh, has to have a reason. And there are certain phrases, you'll notice this in Shemona Esrei, certain phrases where we have lists where we don't have a vav, and other times where we do have a vav. Very important to notice the difference because nothing is a coincidence. Every single, there's a symphony going on here, and every note has to be perfect in order to offer Shemona Esrei the way it's supposed to be. All right, so uh, this is what we're dealing with, with, with Kedusha. We're dealing with the future, and we're dealing with Klai Yisrael as the ones responsible to make that happen. And... Um, if you, uh, if you heard what Robertson Heller said, what I just said is just a drop, uh, amplifying a little bit around the edges. Uh, she really gave us a tremendous amount. So, Yashikach for being part of this. Yashikach to the Elkans for sponsoring tonight's session. And um, um, you are encouraged to be in touch if you want to uh, with different questions or comments or insights that you might have about all of this. Before we go, I see there's one chat thing here, and I don't know if that's for me only or for everybody. For Barry Yaffe says, regarding Maral's association of third bracha with Vayikra, the third sefer of Torah, look no further than the first Rashi in Vayikra. Bakarazel Zavi Omar, wow, amazing, I never thought of that. All right, yeah, thank you, Barry. All right, I'm not gonna amplify on that now because it would require too much introduction to the Rashi in Vayikra, but, it's, uh, but those who want to look at Rashi at the beginning of Vayikra, very good, beautiful. Uh, the tour regarding the 14 words is, I think, in Simon Kuf Yud uh, in Shulchan Aruch. It's, uh, it's the Simon where he goes through the first three brachas of Shemad Esrei before he goes to the, uh, the next Simon, he goes into the fourth bracha, and so on and so forth. And Hilchas Tefillah. Good night, everyone. Be well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good night. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. Chodesh Tov. Chodesh Tov. Thank you very thank much. You. Yeah, Shukur. Welcome. to you. Yeah, yeah, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Rabbi. Absolutely.